Hi, this is Connor Hibbard, WICB's Jazz and Specialty Music Director. You're tuned in to Out to Lunch, where we'll dive into two prominent albums from all your favorite genres. Today on Out to Lunch, I'll dive into two star-studded collaboration albums that paint a unique portrait of jazz in the 1950s, Jazz at Massey Hall by The Quintet and John Coltrane and Milt Jackson's Bags and Train, more specifically the 1956 and 1961 releases respectively. Between them, these albums feature seven of the most acclaimed jazz musicians of all time, artists whose influence on the genre can still be felt to this day. Through the avenue of bebop and its extensions, these two albums provide memorable compositions, stunning instrumentation, and a glimpse into the past, present, and future of jazz. Billed as the greatest jazz concert ever, the quintet's performance at Toronto's Massey Hall in May of 1953 is one of the most famous in the jazz idiom, thanks to the combination of recognizable jazz standards and the drawing power of the artists that make up the mysteriously named group. With Dizzy Gillespie on trumpet, Charles Mingus on bass, Charlie Parker on alto sax, Bud Powell on piano, and Max Roach on drums, it is not difficult to see why this concert is held in such high regard by jazz enthusiasts. Though a 21st century reissue called Complete Jazz at Massey Hall gave listeners the full concert, the original 1950s release provided six unforgettable tracks that have stayed with jazz fans to this day. The album begins with Perdido, a jazz standard composed by Juan Tizal, but originally recorded in 1942 by Duke Ellington. Overlaying swing with the Spanish hue, Gillespie and Parker star on this track, improvising bebop melodies built from the rhythm established by Powell and Roach. Even though the brass is the main attraction on Perdido, every musician gets a moment in the song to shine, to show his incredible skill and mastery of his instrument. Perhaps better than any other cut off the record, Perdido shows the power of collaboration and conversation through song taking a famous compositional standard and mixing it with the quintet's uniquely recognizable style to create an energetic and exceptional start to the album and the concert. A 1942 Gillespie composition, Salt Peanuts is possibly the most well-known track on the album, partially because of Gillespie's energetic shouting of the title foodstuff that is the closest the album comes to actual vocals and lyrics. Based on George Gershwin's immortal I Got Rhythm, Salt Peanuts exhibits Gillespie's mastery of motifs, riffing a four-bar phrase many times over. This does not make the song lackadaisical or boring, however, as the repetition is so full of energy that it feels fresh every time. The song's latter portion also features a remarkable unrehearsed drum solo by Max Roach, one of the best moments on the entire album, elevating the track tenfold. Though the quintet immortalized Salt Peanuts through this concert, the song is made even more important because it is the only jazz composition ever sung by a sitting U.S. president, when, fittingly, former peanut farmer Jimmy Carter sang the simple lyrics at the 1978 White House Jazz Concert on Gillespie's request. Originally composed by Tad Dameron, Hot House is the longest track on the album, clocking in at just over nine minutes, and is harmonically identical to Cole Porter's What Is This Thing Called Love? Unlike that show tune, however, Hot House is one of the most enduring bebop songs of all time, thanks in large part to its inclusion in this concert. In many ways, this track is much the same as the others on the album, full of stunning improvisation, star power, and melodically resonant, fitting for five giants of bebop. However, even though it is similar to others on the record, Hot House should not be forgotten, 
as listeners can unlock new facets of each performer's musical life in every song on jazz at Massey Hall. Aside from being historically important, Hot House is simply a lot of fun, an enjoyable and relaxing listen, and if the live crowd's reactions are anything to go by, this standard resonates just as much today as it did in 1953. Closing the album is A Night in Tunisia, another Gillespie piece, This standard has seemingly been recorded by every jazz artist under the sun, including Count Basie, Wes Montgomery, Dee Dee Bridgewater, and Arturo Sandoval. The quintet's rendition is as cool and inviting as ever, with improvised melodies differentiating the song from its many other covers. The ending sting, led by Parker's alto sax, is perhaps the finest, most fitting way to end jazz at Massey Hall with a loud, authoritative, definite joining of all five accomplished musicians to bid the audience good night. This collaboration is a shining example of how the chemistry and communication between musicians can elevate songs from likable to legendary, and all five performers played their parts to perfection. In January 1959, just a few months before John Coltrane would record his album Giant Steps, the rising jazz star would collaborate with vibraphonist Milt Jackson on the Atlantic release Bags and Train, a five-song set featuring two original compositions from Jackson and none from Coltrane. Although Coltrane was signed with Atlantic Records when the album was recorded, he had left for Impulse Records when it was released in 1961, meaning that the issue falls under Jackson's discography. Released before Coltrane dove into free jazz and avant-garde music, Bags and Train is still wonderfully complex and enthralling, emphasizing the juxtaposition of Jackson's cool, swinging melodies and Coltrane's high-energy, outside-the-box playing. Though not quite a modern jazz quartet recording, due to John Lewis and Percy Heath being replaced on this record by Hank Jones and Paul Chambers respectively, the album's opener, the eponymous Jackson composition Bags and Train, certainly feels like an MJQ cut. A swingier track than its counterparts, it reaches its apex when Jackson's gentle vibraphone is interrupted by Coltrane's searing sax, best exemplifying the contrast between Jackson's suave style and Coltrane's more abrasive, forceful instrumentation. Bags in Train, both the song and the album, start slow, but as they develop, it becomes clear that though this may be Jackson's album in name, Coltrane is driving this record, with the other players just trying to keep up with the immortal saxophonist. That trend continues in Three Little Words, a standard originally composed by Harry Ruby and first recorded by the Rhythm Boys and the Duke Ellington Orchestra. Opening with Harry Jones's quiet piano, the track stays relatively grounded and familiar up until Coltrane's usurpation, breaking into fast improvisation with the other players keeping up. Coltrane is the clear driving force in Three Little Words, a fact made all the more ironic when considering that, once again, this is technically a Milt Jackson record. This track could have stayed firmly planted in its 1930s origins, and rightfully so, but Coltrane's improvisation takes the track to unimaginable heights, his constantly changing, evolving saxophone riffs accompanied by the more reticent playing by the rest of the group. Once Coltrane is off, the band spends the whole song catching up, creating a unique and intriguing remake that demonstrates the true power of communication through song. In this conversation, Coltrane dominates, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. A cover of a Dizzy Gillespie piece, Bebop leans perhaps more than any other cut off the album into the hard bop genre, 
with the best opening of any song on the album, as Coltrane navigates through difficult changes and progressions for one sub-10-second mini-masterpiece. The track does not drop off much from its phenomenal start, however, as Coltrane continues to lead his fellow musicians on a race toward the finish line, refusing to slow down or relent in their pursuit of musical excellence. Fast, frenetic, and fresh, Bebop is the magnum opus of Bags and Train, a culmination of the musical journey that the players, principally Coltrane, have taken not just the listener on, but each other on. As Coltrane grew more famous and began to experiment more in his music, he would focus less on hard bop, making bebop a remnant of an important era for one of the greatest and most influential jazz musicians of all time. Coltrane's contributions on Bags and Train, however, would not be complete without Milt Jackson's direction and gentle juxtaposition to Coltrane's harsher style, once again showing the benefits of collaboration and the power that musicians have to lift each other up through notes and melodies. No words necessary. Hey, it's Connor Hibbard, WICB's Jazz and Specialty Music Director. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Out to Lunch. If you have any recommendations for what albums I should look into next, shoot me an email at jazz at wicb.org. I'd love to hear from you.